Welcome back to The Leader in the Clubhouse. I'm your host, Jackson Sven, and today on the show, we have another fun-filled episode for you. We are back after a couple weeks off, so we do have a little bit of catching up to do before we talk about this week's event, The Memorial. But before we do any of that, I want to remind you to subscribe and leave us a review. Also, depending on when you're listening to this, you may still have time to save with our great deal from globalgolf.com. Our listeners can save an additional 8% off their purchase of used golf clubs from globalgolf.com when you use the promo code LC8Clubhouse at checkout. That's L as in leader, C as in clubhouse, 8 spelled out, and then clubhouse, all in one word. Use that promo code at checkout and you'll save an additional 8% off Global Golf's huge selection of used golf clubs. It's time to give your old clubs an update for the golf season, so head on over to globalgolf.com, use our promo code LC8 Clubhouse at checkout and say hello to a goodbye. Remember, hurry, that deal ends May 31st. Now for this week's golf headlines from around the globe. On the PGA Tour, Justin Rose won the Fort Worth Invitational to capture his ninth PGA Tour victory. The win puts Rose in a tie for the most PGA Tour wins by an English golfer, tying him with Sir Nick Faldo. On the Web.com Tour, Aussie and reigning Australian Open champion Cameron Davis won the Nashville Open, benefiting the Snedeker Foundation. Davis entered the final round six strokes off the lead, but fired a Sunday 65 to capture his first Web.com Tour victory in only his fifth start of the season. And on the LPGA Tour, Minji Lee had a birthday to remember as she won the Volvic Championship. This is the 22-year-old's first win since the 2016 Blue Bay. You may remember Lee lost to Lydia Ko in this year's Metaheel Championship on Ko's 21st birthday. On the European Tour, Francesco Molinari held off former world number one Roy McIlroy to claim the BMW Championship. The win puts Molinari in the top 20 in the official world golf rankings and in prime position to play in his third Ryder Cup later this year. Now I'd like to welcome back to our show our DFS analyst, John, the lineup Dr. Sousa. What's happening, John? Jackson, I'm, I'm doing really well, buddy. Uh, how has your long Memorial Day weekend holiday been? It's been great. I actually was out of town last week, went to the beach, uh, did not get to pack my golf clubs. I had a pretty cool, crazy beach monster golf club that my brother-in-law uh, let me take. So that was kind of fun. So that's the most golf I got in was with this giant beach ball, giant beach ball and some other stuff. So haven't personally been able to get any golf in myself. Got to watch a little golf, but it was kind of hard. Uh, how about yourself? Get any golf in, or or uh, how's fantasy been for you for the last couple weeks since we talked? Um, so I haven't, or actually, I've played a couple of times uh, since we last spoke. Um, I played in the driving rain a couple of weekends ago with a few friends of mine from work um, here at Raleigh uh, Raleigh Golf Association or RGA, as it's known here. Um, played all right. Uh, we only got nine holes in before we had to call it quits after the rain. Um, but that's really the only uh, real life golf that I've uh, that I've gotten in. Fantasy's been okay. Um, you know, just kind of staying afloat. Cash has been all right, and no big GPP scores, but uh, just kind of plugging along here. But I'm really excited for this week's tournament. The Memorial is uh, one of my favorite events at one of my favorite courses. So I'm excited that we'll get to break that down here in a little bit. Let's let's go ahead and talk a little bit because we had some pretty exciting golf tournaments going on. Of course, uh, I want to rewind a couple weeks and 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 briefly talk about what happened over at the AT and T Byron Nelson. We had our eighth first time winner of this PGA Tour season, uh, Aaron Wise. 
um, the Oregon Duck, I, I feel like. Was he a former yeah, Oregon Duck? Oregon Duck. Um, he was a first-time winner on the tour. Uh, other first-time winners of this season you might remember, we've got Patrick Cantlay, Kazire, Austin Cook, Bryce Garnett, Satoshi Kataira at the RBC, and Andrew Landry at the Valero. Ryan Armour, skipped that one. But um, I just I want to know what your thoughts were on this because I was seeing some pretty hot takes on Twitter, on golf Twitter, about Aaron Wise. He played great. He really stepped up. Uh, he was playing with Leishman on Sunday, and I believe they were either tied or Leishman had a slight lead going into Sunday. And Wise just went to town and, and looked like a vet compared to uh, a real vet like Mark Leishman. So I was wondering what your thoughts were there. I even saw a tweet claiming that... Um, this is a very hot take that Wise might be the next Rory McIlroy. So what are your thoughts on Wise? What did you see from his game and, and what do you see going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I was really impressed with Aaron Wise when I saw him in person at the Wells Fargo a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I think that it's a little bit hot take-ish to say that he is the next Rory McIlroy, but certainly, you know, he, he's checking all of the box from a statistical perspective in terms of really playing good golf. So I have a fantasy nationals database pulled up right now, Jackson and over his last five events, he's gaining around four strokes tee to green uh, almost three strokes off the tee as well as almost two strokes putting. So from a statistical standpoint, I definitely would say that he's kind of getting up there into those upper echelon of golfers in terms of, uh, of a statistical standpoint. Now, obviously he did follow up his win at the Byron Nelson with a miscut this week at the Fort Worth Invitational because of course golf. Um, but you know, I, I think that he's really intriguing in terms of, you know, somebody that you might want to keep on your radar going forward here. Um, but I, I want to touch base Jackson real quick, uh, before we move on to breaking down this week. I don't think we got to speak to each other after the players. And I know that a North Carolina guy in Webb Simpson took home the uh, the players' championship in what was a pretty handed uh, victory. I think he ended up winning by, what, seven or eight strokes. So um, one of the things that's really stuck out to me, and I know I've brought it up on this podcast a couple of times, is how well Webb Simpson has been putting this year. Um, notoriously, he was known as a guy that couldn't putt ever, and uh, was someone that was really going to be dampered by the uh, dampered by the, uh, the the anchor putter rule. But uh, over this year, I mean, he's someone that has uh, really stepped up his game putting, and obviously everything kind of uh, came together for him with that win at TPC Sawgrass. So um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on Webb in particular, or if you had any thoughts uh, about the players. Uh, Sawgrass is one of my favorite courses on tour it's one of my favorite events to watch and know that there's a lot of heated debate on whether it's actually the fifth major or not uh but just kind of curious to get your thoughts on all of that yeah so so first off huge shout out to web simpson i don't know if we had the show since then or not i guess we didn't but um of course anytime a carolina guy gets in contention or especially wins a golf tournament we get really excited here at the leader in the clubhouse and webb simpson um he is born and raised carolina all the way through uh, went to wake forest shouldn't get this confused for people that are thinking i'm saying uh, carolina tar hills so he is a, a demon deacon but he resides in charlotte he's from your hometown or home area john of of raleigh so 
yeah, it's it's a it's a big win for our state. Couldn't be happier for him. He has been struggling, uh, of course, ever since the the anchor ban, and it's just nice to see him. And and first of all, I mean that was just a blowout. It was cool to watch him tear up the course. He didn't have the the best Sunday, but he played really conservative. He had a chance to I guess to break some records, but it's not as big of a deal as I feel like is just as getting the win. A win is a win, and it doesn't really matter how you get it. And even though he had a a huge lead going into Sunday. I still really enjoyed watching this because, like you said, this is just a fun golf course to watch. There was still a lot of good golf happening, and yeah, I think maybe the the uh, the hosts and and golf media try a little too hard to make this the fifth major, and maybe one day um, we will consider it a major, but it's not for now, and and it might as well be. It's kind of like, you know, it, it is. It's already there, so. I love watching this golf tournament. It's just a fun course to watch. Um, so big shout out to Webb Simpson. Definitely happy for him. So I think that it is kind of interesting, and maybe uh, you can answer this for you. So we have an interesting stretch of tournaments coming up here before the U.S. Open. So uh, obviously this week we have the Memorial, and then we have the uh, the St. Jude Classic coming up in two weeks, which is pretty much Daniel Berger's tournament. And he's won that, I believe, two out of the past three years. And then obviously we have the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. So um, I don't know, Jackson, do you have a preference between the Memorial and the St. Jude? Obviously, uh, the Memorial will get more of a stacked field. But I, uh, I actually really like the course that they play at in Memphis, TPC Southwind. So uh, do you have a preference before the two? I don't I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in previewing the, the St. Jude two weeks before it happens, but just didn't know if you had any thoughts there. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it because obviously FedEx is the title sponsor of the PGA Tour and the St. Jude, uh, well, St. Jude itself is such a an awesome um, organization. They do so much great things, but I will say the memorial and its ties to Jack Nicholas. Uh, it feels like it just carries a little more weight. It's a, a larger purse, a much larger purse, so... Yeah, I guess I'd kind of say uh, the Memorial is my my preferred tournament of the two. You're gonna go with the fe- with the FedEx St. Jude, I guess. Um, you know, I I really like the Memorial as well. Um, I just wanted to see if you had any hot takes there. Um, but yeah, it it, it kind of falls in line as well. And I mean, I feel like that's kind of the standard answer. You know, more stacked field. Obviously, the tie to Jack Nicholas is really special. So um, you know, I'm looking forward to both weeks, and then obviously we'll have a a pretty nice preview for the uh, the U.S. Open at Shinnecock here coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, I think we might actually have some plans for a, a cool live show that we can speak on uh, as we get a little bit closer to the date. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is an exciting time for golf as we round into the summer. You know, it, it kind of golf starts to become the only show in town in terms of professional sports. You know, obviously, we have baseball going on, but the the NHL, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals start tonight. Uh, go Caps! Uh, in the NBA finals will be starting here in uh, in a couple of days or so, and those will be done by the middle of June. So really, it's only you know baseball and uh, golf is the two major professional sports here for a while. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun for golf to kind of have its shining moment here through the summer. Yeah, June is usually my my favorite month uh, because a I was born in June, so so hopefully nice. I'll I'll get some birthday rounds of golf in. I kind of you know, build up some credit so that I can enjoy the, the summer months. And of course, like you said, the U S open is always just really fun to watch. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, uh, before we moved on. So 
last week, or of course this this past week, was the Fort Worth Invitational. And last year, this was the Dean and DeLuca Invitational. So just once, one thing I wanted to touch on, of course we'll talk a little bit about Jay Rose and, and all that he did. But one thing I want to talk about, mention, is that our first episode of The Leader in the Clubhouse was the 2017 uh, Dean and DeLuca Invitational. So it's been officially been a year that we've been on the show with our partner WGNC in Charlotte. So really proud of that. That was fun. Speaking of Justin Rose, though, let's talk a little bit about that. He claimed his ninth PGA Tour win at the Fort Worth Invitational. The fact that he just tied up with Nick Faldo, I think that kind of flew under the radar. I thought that was a, a pretty huge accomplishment. I think he's headed for a Hall of Fame career. Um, I don't know. Would you would you say that Justin Rose has already accomplished a Hall of Fame career? If he doesn't get any more wins, is is he headed for the the Golf Hall of Fame? Yeah. So I definitely think that Justin Rose is on the uh, on the fast track for a Hall of Famer. Obviously, we know that he performs very well at the majors. He has a U.S. Open title to his name. He's also performed very well, uh, whether it be in the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. Uh, as well as at the uh, the Olympics as well. Um, yeah, so good point. I, I think that Justin Rose is one of these guys that I think is a little bit underrated by the golf community. Obviously, we have the old guard in terms of guys like Tiger and Phil and you know Matt Kuchar, and then also the younger crowd with you know the likes of Spieth and JT and Ricky. And I think that Justin Rose just kind of gets lost in the middle. And I think a lot of people. Honestly, Jackson, I think he's a lot like Hideki Matsuyama in a way, our, our, our boy, in that you know he's always there and he's always consistently one of these guys that are just hanging around on leaderboards. And I think that people are just so used to him performing well at tournaments that they forget to lump him into the you know the world class golfers uh, when they when they think of that term. So you know I don't think that there's any doubt in my mind that Justin Rose is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see. And obviously, you know, I said that he did well at the, uh, the Olympics, obviously he did well if he won the gold medal. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I don't think that there's any debate about it, but he's definitely one of these unsung hall of famers, if you will. So, uh, what do you think? I, I assume since you asked the question, you definitely think that he is a hall of famer now. Well, yeah, I mean, I was teetering on it because I, I didn't. And the funny thing is, it's funny that you brought it up because for a minute there, I know they mentioned it a couple times during the coverage, but I really did forget about the gold medal at the Olympics. And so that brings up another question is where do we rank um, a gold medal at the Olympics? Now it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I don't, I don't put it equal with any major. I really can't. Um, even though it's only once every four years, but and it was the first one in you know over a hundred years or something like that. Uh, yeah. Where would you put an Olympic gold medal when it comes to golf? I mean, it's it's funny because it's so rare. It's it's hard to to pinpoint exactly where I put it. I guess it's its own thing, and you really can't um, equate it to anything. What do you think? Yeah, you know, it's really tough to kind of put uh, a finger on where a gold medal ranks in terms of majors and everything. Obviously majors are a little bit more, I don't want to call them predictable because they're not, but um, you know, think about if we're only having a golf event once every four years, who plays well at that golf event's really going to come in on how their form is heading into that event. So, you know, someone could be having a lights out season, get chosen to represent their country at the Olympics and 
the next, what is it, three years, mm -hmm. and they could win a gold medal, and then all of a sudden they could go back to just being a middle of the pack golfer. And you know, sometimes we Danny do see Willard. that with, no, I'm just yeah, Danny. No, seriously, Danny Willett. That's that's actually really funny. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if we can place. I want to put it in the same echelon as winning a major because I mean, if you talk to a lot of these guys, one of their most you know proud accomplishments of being a professional golfer. I mean. Heck, Ricky Fowler has the Olympic rings tattooed on his uh, on his biceps yeah. because it meant so much to him that he got to play for his country. So a lot of these guys will just tell you that, you know, being able to represent your country and, and go to wherever the Olympics are and be able to put on your nation's colors and play golf and represent a nation is one of the, you know, the proudest moments of their golfing career. So, I mean, from that macro perspective, I want to put it up there with the majors, mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I just don't think we can but with the uh, the lack of frequency that the tournament takes place. Yeah, it's just the the announcers and, and the golf media, they just don't give it as much credit. They just mention it in no. passing. They're like, oh, yeah, and he's a gold medalist winner. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, he's a gold medalist winner. And <laughs> what does that really mean? So we don't really know. Uh, another guy that was uh, playing this weekend, Brooks Kepka. The reigning U.S. Oh. Open champion, uh, he missed, well, I'm not sure exactly how long he missed, but I do remember hearing that they said he did not take a full swing for 100 straight days because he was yep. suffering from a wrist injury. And now we have him in his last in his last five rounds, he's shot 63 or better uh, three times. So... Of course, the U.S. Open's coming up. He's the reigning champion, and it's looking good for Kepka. I honestly didn't think we would get to this point. Um, people were talking about him being on the Ryder Cup team. Someone might have mentioned that. Either you or Matt might have mentioned that on the show, and I was like, oh, no chance. But now he's really turning it on, and he's looking like um, as good or better than he was last year heading into the U.S. Open. So what do you think about Brooks heading into the U.S. Open? Do you, are, is your stock higher uh, than it was after last year's U.S. Open on Kepka, or is it about the same or slightly lower? Where are you at on Brooks Kepka? Um, I don't know if it, if my stock in Kepka could have got higher after his U.S. Open win because I, I think that he just came into that tournament playing so well. And the funny thing is, is we thought that Aaron Hills was just going to play incredibly difficult, and then the guys got out there and just lit it on fire. So um, you know, anytime you get into a birdie fest or anything like that. Kepka is immediately a guy that comes to my mind that can go low whenever he wants to. And we saw it. I mean, he shot 63 twice this weekend at the Fort Worth Invitational. So uh, that's why I kind of thought that, you know, Justin Rose's lead wasn't safe. And, you know, you brought up a couple of guys uh, or, you know, Grio was there and there were a few others. And, you know, when I looked at that leaderboard, there was no one at the top that made me say like, oh, like this guy can definitely go on a run. You know, Grio is a guy that we just associate. Yeah, he can go out and you know, shoot four, three or four under every day of the tournament and, you know, backdoor his way into a T20 or something like that. But when I kind of think of guys that say, oh yeah, like I know he can go low if he needs to win a tournament, there's only a few guys that I can think of. And I mean, they're the upper echelon of golfers, somebody like Justin Thomas, someone like Dustin Johnson, Kepka, these long bombers that, you know, have a chance to make eagles on par fives and give themselves, you know, short wedges into the the longer par fours in order to give themselves good looks at birdies. I mean, Kepka is one of those guys for me. So um, I think that he is rounding into form as you, uh, as you mentioned, Jackson, before we get to the U S open here. Um, so I'll be interested to see, I know he's not in the field this week at the Memorial. So he's probably taking a little bit of time to make sure that that wrist is okay. Uh, I'd imagine we'll see him at the, uh, the St. Jude's in Memphis the week before the U S open to get a quick tune up in. 
And then, yeah, I mean, I got to imagine that um, you can probably still get a pretty nice number on Brooks if you want to bet him outright for the uh, for the U.S. Open. And then I'll, I'll be really interested to see what his DFS price is the week of the U.S. Open, because um, with the, what the sites normally do is the pricing's a little bit softer for the U.S. Open. Um, just so people have an easier time constructing lineups. And, you know, I think that Brooks could be a really nice value play at the U.S. Open and someone that could end up being pretty popular, but most likely worth the price tag. So, yeah, uh, really looking forward to see what Brooks is coming uh, or, you know, what Brooks has coming up here. Uh, I also, you know, kind of biasly, my dad and I are in this big one and done pool and we took Brooks Kepka this week and we were one of two guys that had him for the highest money Ooh. score. Uh, so we were able to make up some ground and we're still inside the top 10 in our uh, our group. So, uh, you know, Brooks came through for us this week, but I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see kind of what he has uh, left in the tank here going forward. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into this week's event, the Memorial Tournament at Muirfield. Of course, if you've been paying any attention, you know that we have an extremely stacked field for this week's event, including the greatest, Mr. Tiger Woods. So to give us an idea of what to expect from a fantasy standpoint, We'll have John give us his breakdown of this week's PGA Tour event, the Memorial. Yeah, all right. So thank you, Jackson. So this week we're at the Murfield Village Golf Club. Um, as we all know, that this is one of the uh, the signature Jack Nicklaus designed courses in the United States. Um, it sits on around 222, or sorry, 220 acres, and it actually has an 11-acre driving range too, which is pretty cool. Um, so the course measures out to be right around 7,400 yard. It's a par 72 with four par fives and four par threes. Um, so really it's a, it's a tricky designed course, um, some dog legs and some blind tee shots. So think almost a little bit of a Pete Dye design. So the kind of golfers that we're going to be looking for are obviously these guys that are, are plotters and can, you know, do well with their accuracy games, so strokes gain approach, strokes gain ball striking, you know, statistics that you hear me rave about week in, week out, um, are really going to be crucial this week to scoring well at, uh, at Murfield. So um, not really too much more to kind of go off of there. Uh, as I mentioned, really kind of tricky design. The par fives are pretty long. There's not one uh, under 500 yards, and the longest one actually measures out to be 567 yards. So... Um, could actually lead a little bit of credence to taking some bombers off of the tee. Um, but, you know, I think that that's one thing that, you know, statistics normally can't tell you. And, you know, maybe we can talk about this for a little bit, Jackson, before we get to our picks. But, you know, obviously I use a lot of data when it comes into making my selections for my fantasy rosters. But I think that there's also something that you can gain from watching the tournaments week in and week out and understanding the types of golfers uh, that these guys are. So, you know, when we take everything into account here at Murfield and the kind of uh, golfer that we're looking for. So, you know, I want somebody that's a little bit longer off the tee, but also kind of understands course management and, you know, kind of can avoid the bigger numbers. So, uh, you know, somebody like Rory McIlroy, who's in the field this week, really makes sense from that perspective. We know that he has, you know, substantial distance off the tee. But he also does a pretty good job of avoiding big numbers and can score pretty well. Um, and also, you know, it, it seems like he's one of the smarter players out there in terms of knowing where to to place his tee shot to give himself the best, uh, you know, the best look into the green. So is there anybody kind of in your mind, and maybe we can segue into the must-have in dark horses based on that fact, Jackson. But I didn't know if you uh, had any thoughts on, you know, how, only how far the numbers can take us and uh, 
you know, what you can gain by watching the events on a week in and week out basis. Yeah. So saying that it kind of leads me right into my, my picks because there's no real, my must have for this week. And I'm going with my Viking brother, Henrik Stenson. And there's, there's not a, a whole lot of reason because he hasn't been playing lights out. He did, he did pretty well at the masters. He got a top five finish there. Uh, his last event was, let me make sure was the players. He got a tie for 23rd, which is, which isn't terrible. Um, but yeah, like you said, he's super long off the tee and he's, he's a very smart player. So, um, given what you said, and he's amazing ball striker, um, I just feel good about Henrik. I just feel good about where his game is. Uh, his last five starts, all top 10 finishes or all top 25 finishes. Sorry. I just said, um, he got a, a 23rd at the players. So, um, there's no real statistical reason, I guess, if you're going to ask why, um, he's had a, a few weeks off and, um, I just, I just like Henrik. I like where his game's at right now. He's kind of been flying under the radar, but, but popping up here and there, not really giving it a, a good run for the win, but, um, playing great golf overall. So Henrik Stinson is my must have for the week. What do you think? Um, yeah, I really, I, I like Henrik and, you know, I, I think one of the things that I like about his game the most is he recognizes, and it, we talk about guys with course management, you know, he understands that his driver is one of his worst clubs in his bag, and he's not afraid to just take that three wood off the tee and put it in the middle of the fairway. And he's a, he's an exceptional long iron player as well. So when I think about a guy who's smart and will know how to manage this course in order to score well, uh, Stenson definitely comes to the top of the mind. Um, who do you have for your uh, dark horse? Who's somebody that's kind of running under the, or I guess flying under the radar for you this week? Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I don't think he's ever been picked on the show, which is, which is maybe kind of a surprise. Uh, he had a great week last week at the Fort Worth Invitational. My dark horse is Kevin Tway. Fun fact about that, uh, what I heard on TV is his father, Bob Tway, who we're all very familiar with if you grew up watching golf, uh, his best finish in I think it was like 20 starts at the Fort Worth Invitational was sixth place. So he actually just beat out his father uh, with the tied for fifth place finish for best finish at the Fort Worth Invitational. So that was pretty cool. Uh, the week before that, he got a top 10 finish at the uh, Byron Nelson Classic. So his game is obviously trending in the right direction. He's playing well right now. So that's why I'm taking Kevin Tway uh, to have another good week at the Memorial. To, to speak kind of to what you've been talking about from a statistical standpoint, man, he's uh, he's been playing really well, Kevin Tway, here over his last five tor- tournaments, according to Fantasy National. He's gaining uh, four strokes total in his game, uh, including almost four strokes tee to green and uh almost just over two strokes, 2.2 strokes with his approach game. So you want to talk about a guy that's uh, really been striking the ball well and putting himself in good chances to score. Uh, Kevin Toy has been playing phenomenal. So I really, really like that pick. Um, yeah, and he's gonna, still very low on the point range. He's he's not, uh, he's a middle of the pack guy, you know, closer yeah, to absolutely. the bottom of the pack. As yeah, far as and, points go. exactly. And, you know, even on, on FanDuel, we're, we're looking for these guys that can make birdies and, you know, score really well. Uh, finishing points really don't matter as much there as they do on a site like DraftKings. So uh, it, it definitely makes sense to target somebody like Tway who can go out there, go low, and uh, put some birdies and eagles on the scorecard. So yeah, no, I, I really like that play a lot. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and segue into my must-have in Dark Horse, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, go for it. So 
My must-have is Justin Thomas. Um, he's really been playing well here. Over his last five events, I'm going to go ahead and read them out, starting with the Honda Classic, which he won. Uh, and he finished second at the WGC Mexico, 17th at the Masters, 21st at the Wells Fargo, and 11th at the Players. And over that time, Jackson, he's gained almost 10 total strokes uh, with his game, including eight off the tee and three with his approach gain. And he's also, even to boot, been putting really well. He's gained 2.3 strokes putting, according to Fantasy National. So um, when I think about a guy that can go out there and score really well, but is also kind of smart, um, Justin Thomas is that guy. I know he has the tendency to kind of be attracted to those larger numbers sometimes, uh, but I think that that was a, a little bit earlier in his career when he had a, a little bit more of a hothead. I think that he is now accustomed to being in the limelight, being in the winner circle, knows what it takes to get to the winner circle. Um, so I think that he'll come out and have a really good week this week. I really like Justin Thomas from the, the top end as my must have. And uh, my dark horse is someone who actually we kind of associate maybe being a little bit of a hothead as well. But I think he's uh, his game has come around really a lot here in the, over the past year or so. And that's Keegan Bradley. Um, he's coming off of a seventh finish, a seventh place finish at the players. Um, and at the players, he uh, he was phenomenal with his tee to green game. He's gained almost six strokes tee to green as well as over six strokes, 6.5 strokes to be uh, to be exact. Uh, with his approach game. And you know me, Jackson, I really like guys that are consistently gaining strokes, gain approach. Um, I mean, even over his last 20 and 10 rounds, he's uh, he's right at around 2.5 to 3.5 strokes gained approach. So uh, Keegan normally associated a guy that can hit the ball uh, a mile off the tee, but he's really showing that, you know, his iron play has improved. Um, you know, if he can run hot with the putter for a couple of weeks, then he, he definitely can have a uh, Pretensity to, to finish in the top 10. So I, I really like Keegan Bradley. Uh, he's at a nice price point this week on FanDuel that allows you to kind of play around with your roster. Uh, you know, he can uh, be the middle guy in your roster in a balanced build or be, you know, the third or fourth roster in your build in terms of a stars and scrubs approach. So really fits roster construction nicely. Uh, like Keegan Bradley a lot. And then uh, Justin Thomas is my must have. Well, that wraps things up for the week. Thanks as always for listening. Remember, we'd love for you to subscribe and we'd flip if you would leave us a review. You can check out more of our thoughts and ideas at leaderintheclubhouse.com and you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at ClubhouseCast.